What's the thing that scares you the most? Confined spaces and uh, blood particles in the air, the dark, that coral thing that's been staring at me since I came in here. Chris, I'm scared to death. Welcome to the Sum of All Fear podcast, the show that examines real-life phobias and the horror movies that prey on them. So pour yourself something strong, Feardos, and let's find out what makes you afraid. Well, that kind of sucked. Men, men, men. Manly <laughs> men, men. Now it's stuck in my head. Now you're going to do the two and a half men theme? Yep. Yep. I think you're, I think you're too far from the microphone again. Sorry. Yeah. I should be good here. Yeah, because we were... I know last time I was lighter and you were... Or I was quieter and you were louder, but I think we need to be equi- equidistant. Equidistant. We just recorded the whole intro and it and it uh, it got deleted somehow. Oh well. Um, so we just have to do it again, yeah. I guess. So practice makes perfect. So do we repeat all of the random chit chat that we that we that we chit chatted? Um, do, do we do we start with new chit chat? I mean, do I don't recap. know what to do now. Huh? Recap. Recap. Recap the chit chat. Yeah. Oh, well, we talked about, uh, we talked about, uh, how this week has been kicking our ass. Yeah. Your back hurts. My foot is broken. Yeah. I had, a, I, I, I threw my back out and, and Chris broke her foot, um, playing roller derby, which is fun. What kind of break was it again? It's a Jones fracture. Uh, it's that little bone, the useless bone on the outside of your foot. And, um, yeah, it really doesn't heal well cause there's a lack of blood flow there. Um, so I'm excited about this recovery process. I'm very enthusiastic. I get to fly next week to Seattle. Oh, that's right. With my fun boot. That's right. With your boot. That'll be fun. Priority seating. Yeah, there you go. You get to you get to board first because you're handicapped. First, asshole. You're handicapable. Yeah. I should say. Um <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll drive me around in a little cart or something to my gate. Yeah. But uh yeah, it sucked, man. You came home and you were like all happy, you had a great practice and nothing you didn't tell me anything about your your Well, your I kind of forgotten about it because when it happened, it felt like when you smack your elbow on, you know, a table or something and and it hurts so intensely. So I kind of skated off to the side and uh, I was like, ah, ouch, that hurt. And then I was like, okay, like you can go. Nothing is sticking out, you're not bleeding, you're fine. And so I kept skating for, I don't know, at least a good 30 more minutes. Um Got in the car, was hanging out with jugs, and just, but you know, it was fine. It was kind of adrenaline hurt. was probably still pumping. So it was, nothing it was, was kind of hurting. Like it felt like like you bruised, you got it. like you got smacked hit. into. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I got home and I took my shoes off, and you know, same kind of thing. It's kind of rubbing it a little bit before bed, and it was you know kind of hurting. And then I laid down and. Now you about, fell asleep for a while because I was about up. two I'm hours up, later. I'm always up, yeah, a couple hours after you fall asleep. So and then you woke up just in total pain yeah like it had swollen and there's just it not sucked. it looked like it really sucked there's just not that much room in your foot to swell yeah so when it swells everything oh, is like hurts. so tight and it hurts and so it was throbbing and um you know you just took such good care of me and finally i took like a bunch of aleve and a xanax and just like hoped to and prayed to God to pass out. Yeah. And then I did until the next morning and, and my swelling was kind of down by then. So we went to the quick trip the to the rock orthopedic urgent care, the rock express in Reno highly yeah. recommended. Yeah, actually it's pretty, pretty it got in and in, in uh, right away. It was nice, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, that sucked. That was yeah. a bummer. That was a bummer. So you're We're all going to bo- meet our deductible. You're all booted year, up though. and you're, 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 you've got a, you've got a, a, you're sauntering around like a, like a pirate. Yeah. Like a literal pirate hooker. Like a, like a dirty, dirty pirate. <laughs> dirty pirate. Broken leg pirate like, You have to say it like, uh, 
Ron Burgundy. A dirty pirate hooker. I don't know. That wasn't a very good Ron Burgundy. <laughs> go back to your home on Whore Island. There That's the second time in a week. I know. Or in, in I love two that. episodes that we referenced that. Um, so yeah, so it was it was a week kicked our ass a little bit. I I threw my back out too, so I was all I was all grumpy and but and you shitty threw your back week. out, and then you were picking up my slack and um you know taking the kids to all of their first week of baseball practices and hosting it. it sucks and, being old, man. It sucks being like an adult. You, you have to do adulting things. You powered through it though, and I I just keep saying like thank you so much, like just I appreciate it so much. And, um, and but my favorite holiday is coming up, so yes. uh, so I'm 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 trying to make sure my back is is good that my yeah. liver is cleansed a little bit what about because, your soul and my soul my soul is right uh because we're celebrating saint pat coming up next oh, week man. i am ni- i am i always thought i had a little bit of irish but i but i don't, you don't. I've, I've done extensive genealogy on both sides and i'm i'm totally british and and uh and german i would love um, to do like a 23 and me on you and see how accurate your research is yeah oh i'm pretty certain I've, I've done a good job on my genealogy so i think i've i've and my brother just did it and he came up mostly uh, although we, we have different uh different dads but uh but his his ancestry on you could tell that the one side was definitely right right um with with going back to england in like the 1600s you know we were early though we were early we were like first americans we you know we we uh we're like 10th generation american we were came over in like 16 1690 that's insane something like that so that's kind of cool um the german side didn't come over to like the mid 1800s but that's still you know not not too far back Um, not too shabby or pretty far back i should say uh that is a ways back um but and and in honor of of saint patrick's day i'm not drinking uh i'm not drinking any bourbon today i'm drinking i'm drinking some good irish whiskey yeah you've traded up yeah i normally drink patty patty's irish whiskey is my irish whiskey of choice but I was at the store today, and I was like, you know what? I haven't tried this uh, this proper twelve. Treat yourself. So, and Treat we got yourself. we got a podcast coming up, and I'd like to have me a little a little nip while what? we're uh, while we're while we're you podcasting. Like to so I bought proper twelve, which is a triple distilled Irish whiskey. Ooh, uh, it's a smooth blend with hints of vanilla, honey, and toasted wood. You're a smooth blend. Yeah. So not too bad. I like it. The the peaty wood flavor is not my favorite all the time, but this one's kind of light enough that I, you know, I like it. I'm looking forward to getting getting my St. Patty's on next week, which is my second favorite holiday next to uh next to Halloween. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as like, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff are fun with family and all that. But as far as as holidays that I personally like to celebrate, Halloween and St. Pat's. And I have Halloween month. Halloween lasts a month. Yeah, and St. Patty's normally lasts at least two days. Typically. Yeah, typically, but it falls on a Sunday. But and, I am uh, starting a week early right here. So, yeah. You know. Well, this is just, you know, cracking the cracking the tomb open. That's okay. Yeah. We're going to find out what's inside. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get, let my back heal, let my liver, you know, settle and just get ready for my St. Patty's weekend. Wasn't it? Boys are going to their moms for, for, for the weekend. They'll be there, you know, starting on Saturday. Wasn't it last year that, started the whole liver issue on St. Patty's Day. I'm pretty I'm like I don't have a sure. liver issue. You have a liver issue. It I is do fatty. Not. Um a fatty liver is my fatty, my doctor fatty, told me that, fatty. that that he's like everybody has a fatty liver. That's what he told me. Yeah, everybody that drinks like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink that much. You don't, Good but Lord. I mean your liver thinks you do. Maybe. It's probably because I don't drink beer. I just drink right. <laughs> I just drink whiskey. Yeah, you drink like forty proof. <laughs> oh man! So 
Welcome, Feardos, to episode 10. We made it to 10. Tom, Tom, Tom. Oh, 10. 10 episodes. That means we've ten. done a thing 10 times. Uh, that's impressive. I know. It's pretty impressive for us. I mean, you know, we did something that, you know, from, you know, and we didn't give up on it yet. No, not yet. Yeah. We're not giving up yet. We're still fighting. People are listening. We actually, our last episode was our fastest growing episode ever by and that's far. That's really exciting. Thanks, yeah, you by guys. By far. It was like exploding. I don't know if that was because of, the 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 sleepwalkers subject matter or the cat subject matter or, I don't know but or Johnny's to, pecker but reach out to us because we would love to get to know you better and speaking of Johnny's pecker I do have a a, a, a oh, apology I do need to apologize to our audience because you have an amendment from last episode I do because I should have known that that song what's wrong with you was a David Allen Coe song I am an old country fan. I consider myself very astute when it comes to to, uh, oh, to country you? music hmm, history. Pip hip cheerio. And, 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 and old old country music. And I, I should have known that that came from the rodeo song by David Allen Coe. But what was really cool was I got that answer directly from the director himself. The man himself. From Mick Garris, who posted up on our Twitter. and the and, to- Mick. and gave us and said his brother picked the music and that was an old country song. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I looked it up and I was like, I can't believe I... I didn't even Google this. Why did I not even Google the lyrics? I could have figured it out in two seconds. Because the Mickle Garrison. Mickle. It's not Mickle. I know it's not Mickle. <laughs> I just Garrison. extended it. <laughs> I lengthened his name. <laughs> I apologize to you, Mr. Garris, <laughs> sir, for my wife's, for my wife's, uh, my wife's <laughs> messing with your name. Mickle we Garrison. have more Mick Garris today too. Oh yes, which I'm very do. excited about uh, as well. I I actually really do. I really do love Mick Garris. And by the way, if you haven't listened to his podcast, he fanned the fuck out. Yeah, I'm a big big fan. Postmortem with Mick Garris is his podcast, and he interviews um, amazing people. He's had interviewed John Carpenter. He's been he you know he is such a horror fan and a horror uh, and and such a horror icon too himself. But he you can tell his love for other people's work. And right. such a humble guy. I, I really love his stuff. So I love um, that he's tangible. Yeah, he's very, he's very, you know, he's one of those guys that you do feel like, you know. Um, so, you know, when he comments on your Twitter, it's You're very like, exciting. Yes. But you also feel you also feel like you have you have that kind of, you know, camaraderie with him, even though you've never met him before. Like Joe Bob. Master, so. That's why I like Joe. Bob. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs has that, too. You know, and, he, and he's another one who's personally responds to has personally responded to some Twitter messages and sent, you know, some some messages I on Twitter really admire directly. That. Um, which is very cool. You know, I think that's, that's people who are accessible, who you can talk to that, that you also kind of idolize and fanboy out right. a little bit on. Um, it's always, we want to be fun. like you. Yeah. So, um, like but yeah, fun week, um, shitty week, <laughs> shitty fun week. Man, it wasn't so bad. I mean, you know, could have been worse, I guess we could have. Yeah, I mean, we could have been hospitalized all, all week instead of just broken. Right. Exactly. It could have always <laughs> been worse. Um, we are talking, we haven't even given our spiel about, uh, about following us yet. Have we? No, I was getting there with our welcome to the sum of all fear podcast, but we, we got sidetracked with Johnny's pecker. <laughs> Here comes Johnny with a pecker in his hands. One ball is off, off to, to the, the rodeo. rodeo. <laughs> Look up the David Allen co version. It's great. Listen to the whole song or just listen to it's our last podcast over and over again. <laughs> Avoid David Allenko's racist stuff because there's a lot of it. He was a he had some just, messed up shit. Just please Although he had some great that. dirty songs. Um, 
And he had some stuff that I, I want to say David Allen Coe had some stuff that Shel Silverstein wrote too that were that was super yeah, super dirty. I, I, don't know, right. I know him and Bobby Bear, but man, and Shel Silverstein was a super had some super dirty country songs that he wrote, um, which is really funny. But if you're a Feardo and you've been listening to us for a little while um, and you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Some of All Fear Pod uh, at face uh, on Facebook at Some of All Fear Podcast. And please, guys, if you've been listening and you like us, please show us you like us by rating our, our podcast. Go go to your podcast app and give us a little rating. It's really quick. And our, if our love language is language, our love so language is 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 stars. If you love us, then please put some language on a page and let us know. All it takes is like two sentences, All it maybe takes. even one. Just be like bitch and podcast for 50, exclamation point for 50 or cents a month. Not super shitty. For Listen 50 sometimes. cents a month, you too can save a child in Africa <laughs> that has in the arms an of ingrown toenail far away. <laughs> Finally, you got on. Thank Some you. Sarah McLaughlin. Yep. Some Sarah McLaughlin, just to make sure that, you know, we're not starving any, Very any sad children. Puppies. Any, no puppies here that we're no starving. Puppies. And no children either. We're not starving no. children either. They are not um, starving, but that's uh, that's that's a that's a different uh, infomercial. If anything, they eat us. Out that's of Sally Struthers. <laughs> Sally Struthers <laughs> was the Struthers. one who did the uh, the starving children. Oh, oh, okay. I was getting it mixed up. <laughs> um, so with that, let's uh, let's let's do a little uh, what the fear. What do you think? Are you ready for this? I don't I'm, think you're ready. I am. I I told you I'm having a positive attitude now. So you are. So now it's time for everyone's favorite phobia based. Trivia game. What the fear? You say it now. What the fear? There you go. Okay, you have to say it like that. All right, it's time for what the fear again. <laughs> again. We just found out that if we if if we have technical difficulties again, like we did in yeah. this uh, in this segment. We have to come up with all new fears. Well, shit. Shit. Shit on a shingle. Uh, not cool. Not so cool, bro. So Chris just had to uh, to do uh, all of her what the fear words uh, over again to find new ones because uh, we can't do them over. Uh, what we could have, I would have sounded like a genius. Yeah. Uh, which would have gotten a lot of cred. But... I would have gotten a lot of cred, but uh, we can't do that to our listeners. So we <laughs> we are doing we are having some some serious recording issues. I, I'm 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 doing everything normal, but then the recording doesn't show up. Um, it makes me, makes me very sad. Technical difficulties, yeah, man. We haven't had this yet. This is our first time we've really had, uh, had anything just like disappear. Well, I guess we should be grateful then. First time in 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. So, um, so let's do this again. I'm excited. Yay. I get to have three new words and maybe, maybe we'll put the words that you did before up on, uh, social media so people can know what the, uh, other, uh, words that we did, uh, in the previous, what the fear segment that maybe never got aired. Yes. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. Let's do some, um, let's do some, some, some fear, some what the fear in. Let's do it. All right. What's my first word? A blutophobia. A, a blutophobia. Ooh, I a feel like I've heard of this one before. L-U-T-O phobia. A blutophobia. I know I've heard this phobia before. I have no idea what it is off the top of my head, but I know that I've heard this one before. Um, Go ahead and uh, are you going to give me a hint? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's my hint? You wouldn't want to sit by these people on a plane. A blutophobia wouldn't want to sit by these people on a plane. People who have a blutophobia? No, no, no. If you had a blutophobia, you wouldn't want, or not, I'm sorry, you wouldn't buy to sit. Yeah, 
You wouldn't want to sit by someone who has a blutophobia. You would not want to sit by somebody who has a blutophobia. Correct. Um, okay. Is that the fear of uh, next to somebody? Wow, it's really snowing outside. Yeah, it really is. I just Boy, like, it just started dumping all of a sudden. Holy smokes. Wow. I uh, am so tired of snow. Winter is here. I'm procrastinating. Winter is here. Winter is here. It's dumping outside all of a sudden. Damn it. It is March 10th. This is ridiculous. <laughs> For you guys, it's March 12th because that's when this airs. This is preposterous. It's March 10th for us. Um, a blutophobia. You would not want to sit next to this person on a plane. This is the. These are people who are afraid of not talking. <laughs> that would be like specific to me. They're just a bluto. They're just a blooting out Blah, all the time. They blurted they're out. Blurting out a blurtophobia. A blurtophobia. A blurtophobia. Close. That's its close cousin. That's is its a blurtophobia. A close cousin. Um, what is a blutophobia? No, people that have a blutophobia um, are scared of cleanliness or bathing. Ooh, I have heard of that one before. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You would not want to sit next to that person. That's no. the smelly kid in, in class. Well, it, it is more common in children, and also. Um, with individuals who experience other sensory issues um, because the experience of the water on their skin just is really so younger folks and older folks, it's more common for that to, to happen. Whereas in the middle, that's when it becomes problematic as a fear. So this is like pig pen from, uh, from Charlie Brown. A little. Yeah. So we have another Charlie Brown reference. Another Charlie Brown. So pig pen has a blutophobia, not a fan of taking a bath. No. Um, and we love oh, him just the same. That reminds me of Deadwood. You remember uh, uh, Calamity Jane? Yes. Wasn't it Calamity Jane that they were like, you got to take a bath? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and wrestled her into the bathtub? Yeah. Blutophobes would do well um, in old times because you know, yeah. it was more you know, widely accepted to not bathe. To smell. Yeah. Yeah. To be smelly and dirty. I like it. I do not have a blutophobia. No. I like to shower like twice a day. I'm a big fan. You're squeaky. Big fan of cleanliness. You are squeaky clean, Shadow. I try to be most of the time. <laughs> okay, your second one is coraphobia. Coraphobia. Oh, we had a little girl on our baseball team named Cora. C- I'm not afraid of her at all. She's very nice. C H O R O phobia. Coraphobia. Coraphobia. C H O R. C H O R O? Coraphobia. Hmm. Your hint is. You would never find them in the club. Ooh. Coraphobia. They wouldn't be in the club. Um, they are afraid of loud music. Ooh, close. Am I close? Close. I was thinking like chorus, Cora. Would you like a second uh, level hint? Sure. For no point? Sure. Okay. Um, dirty dancing. Dirty dancing. They are afraid of... Rubbing against people. Close. I kind of gave it away. They're afraid of dancing. Oh, they're just afraid of dancing. Yeah. You said you said the the answer. I didn't in, realize in that until I said it, and then I was like, "Damn it!" You said the you said the answer in the hint. I did, and you still didn't. And I get still it. got it wrong. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. It's okay. It's new positive, Drew. New positive, Drew. Positive, Drew is okay with getting things wrong because I'm human. New Drew. And to err is human. To err is human. Right. And uh, can you also be wrong? New I have Drew? nothing to fear, but fear itself. That's what FDR said. <laughs> can so you also? I have nothing to fear, but what the fear itself. <laughs> we have nothing to fear, but what the fear itself. I'm pretty sure that's what it, that's what the original text of his speech said. And then he, he, uh, he 
edited it. I need that on a coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> what the fear itself. What the fear what the itself. Fear? Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was, uh, that was, uh, that's, uh, I'm over too, but that's okay. I was, you know, it's kind of fun getting in the ballpark yeah. with these hints. You're getting you know? really at least, close. At least we're somewhere in the, in the realm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All I have to do is just like spell it out for you next time and you might get it right. Yeah. I was, I was going to say like the fear of putting baby in the corner. No one puts baby in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't put baby in the corner. The fear of corners could have been. It was literally the fear of dancing. Yeah. The fear of dancing. The fear of Patrick Swayze. It was <laughs> in tight t shirts. Yeah. It was, it's more so the fear of being in a crowd of people dancing and kind of like, not being able to escape, um, kind of feeling interesting. So, so it's almost so it's it's got a little bit of the crowded places, right? A uh, little bit, but it's specifically in dancing scenarios. So gotcha. it's like leveled down even further. Gotcha. Um, okay, so your third one is katagelophobia. Ooh, spell that for me. K a t a. K a t a. G e l o. Kata. Jellophobia. Gelophobia or jellophobia? Kata jellophobia. Well, I don't know. Kata jellophobia. I was thinking I was thinking Greek, you know, kind of in uh, I don't know. Yeah, kata jellophobia. That sounds right. G E L O. Yeah. Kata jellophobia. All right. That is um Do you don't want your Oh, hand? yeah, I keep trying to answer before you give me hints. I know you're eager I'm eager, very eager beaver i am i'm am, i'm just so excited i get so excited you're so eager beaver new drew i know i'm this is new drew new drew is excited to answer you're excited to answer and you're okay with being wrong that's right i am okay with being wrong yeah. i have come to, i have come to grips with it luckily i live with a therapist and she has talked me through all of my all of my failure and and oh. have, have given me a new she's given me a new insight into my own mind you're giving me far too much credit yeah <laughs> Give me like another 20 years of marriage and we might be there. Might be there. Might be there. Hey, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, make a therapist your wife. Oh, hey there. Like I like that. Mm-hmm. I see another bumper sticker. A sexy sticker. therapist. <laughs> oh, shit. Make a sexy therapist your wife. <laughs> oh, you're making me blush. You're uh, you're avoiding the fact that you don't know what kind of telephobia. I need a hint. You haven't given me my hint yet. That's right. Um, okay. Katagelophobia. Okay. Um, people often suffer from a little bit of katagelophobia um, when they're expanding their current role or growing into a new position or being vulnerable. Ooh. Katagelophobia. Katagelophobia. The fear of responsibility. Or no. added responsibility? No. Hmm. What happens when you get added responsibility? What are you most afraid of? Failure. Right. But kind of what would the uppers think of you? Um, the fear of ooh, scrutiny, like judgment. Ridicule. Ridicule. The fear of ridicule. Interesting. Yeah. The fear of ridicule. Huh. So um, that makes sense. It comes from the Greek uh, kata or something katos for put down and jalo for laughing. Huh. So it's the fear of ridicule. Interesting. Yeah. I would have thought it, I would have probably gone more. You want like, the cool kids to be more cool kids? Yeah, I would like the cool. Yeah, I would have gone more the the like the the high school route with that hint, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. 
you want to be like the cool kids and you want them to like you. Yeah, I mean, you can work on your hands. That's okay. I can. I can't. Well, it was my sixth <laughs> hint of the day. So, and That's I did true. come up with it in two and a half seconds. It's true. It's true. Yeah. The, uh, the, the fact that we had to whole, wholly re-record uh, the what the fear both segments section. and we haven't even we haven't even found out if this one's going to save yet or not so both segments who knows this podcast we've re-recorded we have both segments we have done each segment twice yeah already and i so don't we know are, if they're better or we're worse. nailing this shit i, I mean don't, you know are we i don't know i mean are we're, we nailing we're, it we're, we're we get to do them over again so they don't sound you know they're tighter right right they're tighter right yeah wait tighter what they're tighter. If you do it over again, it's tighter. That doesn't make sense. I think so. Yeah, because you, you know you, you get you, it's not how you don't, it works. You, don't, you don't ramble as much like we're doing right now. See exactly. <laughs> Did we even introduce our phobia for today, I which don't... is a really interesting one and one that I think is going to uh, is it going to drum up? I may drum up controversy. It might drum up some uh, some interesting perspectives from a male and female perspective because today we are doing androphobia. Oh. Androphobia, which is uh, the fear of men. It's a good one. So we are going to dive into that. I wanted it's raining men uh, to be our transition, which maybe you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll stick that in there somewhere. I don't it know. can't be men, 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 manly men, 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 men. There is a manly men component of it too of this phobia. Yes, a little bit of fear of manly men as well. We'll get into that in a second. So our phobia for today, guys, is androphobia. All right, androphobia, the fear of men. Uh, quick definition, an abnormal and persistent fear of men. Suffers experience anxiety, even though they may realize they face no real threat. Mm-hmm. Um, etymology, pretty easy. Andros, which means men in Greek. Uh, tell us about this uh, this fear. We had a really interesting time with this uh this one this week. There was a, there's a, there's there's so many nuances to this, there's right? There's a lot and, of layers. There's so many things we could dive into, and there's a lot of gender debate and political stuff and all that kind of stuff. But we we I think we're going to steer a little bit away from some of that. Maybe dig into a little bit of it, but not get too. We you know we don't want to get too tied up in some of the the modern socio political uh, details. But right. you know I think we can we'll touch on some things. Um, but uh, I'm really interested to see all of your research because I know you've been researching it a bunch this week. I have. I have. I've been diving really deep. Um, and the one thing I want to point out first is that there's a big difference bes- between um, androphobia and misandry, which is the hatred of men. So Misandry is the hatred of men. Misandry is the hatred of men. Um, and our phobia is the fear of men. And it's an irrational fear. And folks that experience it, it often know it's irrational and yet they still experience that fear response. So I want to point that big difference out. It's not, you know, intentional. It's not hatred of, I mean, it can appear in that form, but there's very big difference between misandry and what we're going to go over today. So just noodle on that for a little bit. That's Um, a really good distinction. That's a really, I think that's a really great place to kind of get that foundation of, 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 because I think you, you could definitely confuse the two of those and you see the, those kind of things playing out in different ways. Well, hatred is very intentional, whereas fear is often 
less controllable. Sure. You know, like we, we don't want to experience that fear. We might hate experiencing it and it might come across as hate. Um, but really deep down it might be fear. Sure. So, um, there's a big difference. Um, and with this phobia level fear, it's irrational. It's inflated. Can't control it. Um, there's, Two differences between uh, how it manifests in children and how it manifests in adults. In children, it will often uh, be reflected as tantrums, crying, clinging, uh, refusal to approach or leave um, a female side uh, and go to a male. A mother figure yeah, or a female any, figure. Like just female in general. Um, and we know that that's often experienced or that's often expressed because of negative experiences um, with men or learned behaviors about men. Um, social learning. Uh, kids are most at risk for this phobia. They see a lot of things um, that their parents are doing. Sure. And they have a lot of uh, negative events happen to them themselves. So very common traumatic phobia can be passed down to just kind of like the other phobias. Um, but more often than not, we see a lot of trauma. Mm. So, so abuse, uh, uh, things that happen in childhood that that trigger these things, which right. you know we've talked about with some of the other phobias, but but I can see that being something that would be especially true of this of this phobia. Right, like if you watch your if you watched your mother get beaten, you know, or maybe she had had an abusive relationship before, and she herself had a hatred or a fear of men. I should say um, that fear can definitely translate into different generations just because you you learn and you are what you experience. And if your mom shows you that men are not safe, um, mom knows best. Well, and that's something that I think, you know, being raised in the generation that we did and probably even subsequent generations and, and, and previous generations probably too, women are kind of raised with that look over your shoulder, be sure. careful. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. Check in the backseat of your car, right? Be hypervigilant. Um, always lock your doors if you're home alone. Never cross a parking lot alone. You know, all these various things that I know for me personally, you know, came at me when I was growing up. Um, but also, too, just, tan just from hearing other people talk about their behaviors versus their spouse's behaviors in the same scenario. Like Drew and I were talking about what do you think about when you go to the car, like right. Yeah. If you're, if you're at the grocery store at night and you're walking out into an empty parking lot, what do you think about? And, and my response was, I don't, I think about going to my car and getting <laughs> like in my I'm car, just walking in my car, you know, getting I in my, my car and going home, you know, whereas that's, before I go out into the parking lot, um, it was taught to me and I learned it through watching other people and watching television and making internal assumptions about my own safety around people, specifically men usually, um, but around people in general um, and to be hypervigilant because of my female status specifically. So when you walk into that out in the parking lot, what do you do? I stick my um, keys between my fingers and I scan the entire area. And then I also look around me before I get into my car. I look into my back seat. Um, I mean, I was raised in the generation of like rescue nine one one and unsolved mysteries and, you know, all those fun shows where nothing is safe. Um, and I don't inherently feel unsafe, but I am cautious. I'm overly, I'm hypervigilant. Do you think that the, that, that 
that thing that's ingrained in in young girls growing up is is it a good thing is it a bad thing is it a is it neutral is it you know does it does it cause women to have an, an un it like a like a uh, an extreme fear that shouldn't be that shouldn't be there is it should be balanced like what because i always think of like stranger danger right right we talked about that a little bit stranger danger was something that was taught in the 80s mm-hmm. and it, it really was kind of harmful because strangers weren't the ones you should be worried about it was when it comes the people to, that you knew or the people that were close to you right and your the people family. that were close to you in your family so, so stranger danger was kind of a kind of gave a wrong impression that you're always going to be kidnapped or, you know, by this strange, person. by some stranger, but right? forgot, but forgot to mention that a large portion of abductions or assaults or rapes or, you know, whatever you want to call it, sexual assaults occur with people that are familiar, right? With Friends and family, friends and family. Right. And, and, and similarly with, with, with women, uh, with women who are, who are, who are raped or things that happen Mm -hmm. to, to women, you know, these traumatic experiences, likewise, many times boyfriends, friends, somebody they know, things like that. There's a fear response that, I mean, honestly, we can all understand that response. You know, if you get, you know, beaten and uh, raped by a group of guys and left for dead, I, I understand why you're afraid um, to be around a group of men that make that makes sense to me. Sure, um, that horrible thing has happened to you. Um, but when it gets to the point where it impacts your ability to live your everyday life and it becomes phobic level to where hearing a male voice, seeing a male figure on TV um, makes you uneasy. That to me is not not something that can be ignored. That's that's really really deep stuff um, and those folks really need to seek treatment. And there's a lot of treatment options, including neuro-linguistic programming, which is kind of like the rewiring of how we think about things um, and how we use words when we talk about things to kind of take our, take our power back and take our ability to be able to um, process through these things back uh, in a safe environment, you know, um, but it's if if you have this phobia, it's pervasive. Like, do do you think all women have have a sliver of this kind of ingrained in them? I mean, when I, when I personally look around, I see a lot of cultural indicators in our culture and other cultures that that men are dominant, men are aggressive, men are um, the protectors because they are bigger or you know, whatever that culture thinks, not that women are not important, but just that these roles are often assigned to men, um, either spoken or unspoken. Um, well, and there is that, that element of kind of that, that toxic masculinity too. that, that, you know, that's kind of a buzzword right now, but, but there's that element of, of, you know, I always feel like when these things come up in culture, you get the one extremes on one side and the other extremes that just pull farther and farther apart. Right. So so there's the one side that's like, well, men need to be men and, you know, men need to be men and and anything that that challenges me, like challenges my masculinity, um, you know, and then you see the douchebag frat boys that, that kind of ingrain this kind of thing. And then there's sexual assault. So there's the, all these things that happen that kind of influence that, you know, and the me too stuff and all these things that kind of, they we kind start of trigger see, these things. And then we see both sides kind of going farther and farther apart. Right. And missing the point entirely, you know, that they were trying to get at was that the point is, is that I don't feel safe. You know, I don't feel safe. What can we do about it? Is, 
is the point of all those conversations, but it's not being heard by the other party because of how it's being expressed. Sure. I don't feel safe in my workplace. I don't feel safe in my school. And it may not be because of you, because you're a male. It may be because of something inside of me, something that happened, something, you know, traumatic, that's very painful. Um, And it doesn't make it, you know, your responsibility to not be male or to be, not be around me because I'm afraid of it. It, it makes a shared responsibility for me to communicate with you that this is a thing and then I'm working on it, you know, because I see that it's illogical or I see that, um, that there's other evidence aside from my fear-based, you know, a brain, there's some facts that show me that not all men are, should be worthy of that kind of fear because definitely some should, right? We don't want to, we don't want to go always or never with right. these things. Cause sure. that's how we get into sure. these huge arguments. We want to truly understand what's at the heart of this fear. And the heart of that fear is, is a feeling of not feeling safe. Sure. Now, whether it, or not it's because you're a woman or whether or not it's because you're physically smaller in stature. And right. that's another thing to, to bring up too. This, yeah. this androphobia is not gender exclusive. No, it's not. It, it, it crosses, it crosses gender bound. There are, there are many there are men, men who have androphobia. They have struggle because it can be actually, uh, uh, sometimes it's even defined as the fear of masculine men or, or the fear of masculinity. Um, so men who say, for example, I, I think it's kind of interesting because I grew up, I didn't grow up, but I went to college in a very academic environment, a lot of academics, Right. You know, and there was a few meathead guys, but it wasn't like a normal university situation where you've got like your jocks and your both your football players. Much more, much more academic focused. And there was there's definitely, I think, in a certain segment of the male population, there's kind of that fear of of manly men, right? Like right. guys who are guys who are, you know, the atypical or yeah, uh, the, stereotypical, the stereotypical, not atypical, the stereotypical masculine. Male, yeah, the the alpha. carpenters, the construction workers, the plumbers, but not the, all of them. You know, always, you know, sure. it's just the ones that are typified into that. Sure, you know, selection. Um, and there's a sense of and there's a sense of inferiority. inferiority. There's a sense of like of of not. You know, it's interesting when you see, you know, you hear about like sexual assault happening and things like that, and there's men standing by that don't do anything. Um, sometimes there, that's because that alpha male is unchallenged, right? There's right. No, there's people who don't want to. There's you men who, who don't feel the like alpha. they can step up. And I've, I've felt that myself. You know, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a super, you know, passive man necessarily or beta man or whatever. But, right. but I also have, you know, I don't do a lot of trades with my hands. I don't do a lot of, you know, so there, and there's always that little bit of inferiority complex when you can't pull apart an engine. Right. You know, and so it's kind of interesting to see that this phobia kind of can cross those boundaries it, too. It does. And it's really interesting. Um, I wonder if a, a male suffering from androphobia um, would also have the same physical fears that um, many females have, you know, uh, on a regular basis, you know, that what happens if he overpowers me? Right. Um, you know, could I be overpowered here and taken advantage of? You sure. Know, probably avoiding, probably avoiding, avoiding certain situations, avoiding certain mm-hmm. places, things like that, I'm sure. But I, I, but it's, you know, not to get off too much right. on that tangent because it is definitely predominantly 
female female and predominantly seen in children um so you know not not trying to be sexist it's just numbers are numbers this is what's well and the children thing i think probably is more it's probably more diagnosed with children or seen right in in, but there's no doubt that there's that it's pervasive Mm -hmm. among females i mean i'm sure there is there is that little bit of sliver of 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 fear because of what what Maybe what's something that's happened, situations that's happened to you, things that's happened, you know, things that happened to you in high school or in college. Secondary traumatization, things that I've heard of my friends going through that make me hyper aware in certain situations because that's that's what happened with her, you know, or that's what I saw on television. So pop culture, horror movies, all these things play into um into that fear because most of us have that a little bit in ourselves kind of naturally. Um, There's, there's vastly different ways that women and men think too. Um, Biologically, the brain is different in men than it is in women Um, in three primary ways. So in the way that the brain processes information, men have more gray matter, which is kind of localized, um, hotspot information. They're kind of like the action centers of information, but they're localized. So they're not all in one spot. They don't cover all one spot. They're more um, hyper, hyper focused. Uh, whereas women are, have utilized on average 10 times more white matter, which is kind of like the layer of um, communication and processes, um, like the network grid that connects everything together. So inherently those brains process information better on a multitasking basis. They can process multiple things at once pretty, pretty well. Um, whereas the male brain tends to be more laser focused. Hmm. Like that's, that's biology. Sure. Um, it, it occurs in the womb during the development of the brain and how different brain chemicals from the mother are, um, released and grow in the child and help to grow and facilitate the growth of the brain. We look at like neurotransmitters, um, same chemicals get dumped into all of our brains as humans, same chemicals, completely different processing. So we process them completely different, completely different. And that's just a biological reality. That's just just one of those things. Biology, you know, that's the brain processes things differently. Could a male process things a little bit more like a female? Sure. 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 Um, There's going to be, there's going to be exceptions. There's going to be variations because nothing exists, you know, it's, it's all going to exist on a bell curve you know, more than likely. I don't know if, if that's true or not, but, um, well, it may not be put that way, but yeah, but things are, are on a scale. There's going to be a scale of, you know, and, and some, and some people, you know, they're going to utilize more right. of one side of the brain or one type, you know, one right. part of like the brain. Men tend to have more testosterone. That's just what your body produces. That's just what your body picks up, but your body also doesn't, or not your body, your brain also doesn't pick up, um, oxytocin, as well as the female brain does. And oxytocin is the closeness hormone, the cuddle hormone, the, the bonding hormone. Um, so yeah, you produce it, but your brain doesn't pick it up like a woman's brain does. And what does that help with in terms of women? Well, it helps with bonding and sure. childbirth. Maternal instinct and, and those kinds of things. And maternal instinct and child rearing. And, you know, and again, there's, there's gradations. There's you know, gradations. Every person's an individual. They have, they have, they have different, you know, they're, they're going to be more or less on these scales, but, but by and large, biologically, those are just realities. Right. Um, and then if we're we're going structurally, um, structurally, the left hemisphere tends to be man's verbal center. 
So they tend to operate generally from that left hemisphere verbal center, whereas women have verbal centers on both hemispheres of the brain, um, which makes them much better communicators generally. Um, and a larger hippocampus helps with memory. So they retain um, specifically emotional memories much longer than men because of this enlarged hippocampus. Um, and also they retain memories specific to the five senses better than um, men's brains generally do. Well, and there's, and there's, and they're going to retain a negative experience oh. much better than a positive experience. Yeah, so if you have, if you have 50 to, positive experiences and one negative experience, that negative experience yeah. is going to overpower. Yeah. Right. Is, is that correct? Yeah. We were listening to John Gottman um, on a podcast earlier this week, and he was talking about the number of negative interactions versus positive interactions um, that are kind of required to maintain harmony in any relationship, not just a marriage. Um, and that ratio is at least five positives to one. Um, and that's really important. The best ones are 20 to one. Interesting. So that's 20 positive. So relate that to our fear of men. How would that kind of relate to, to this topic? Like, like if, if somebody had a, a, you know, let's, I mean, with men, most people are interacting with, with men on a daily basis, obviously, right. you know, wherever at the grocery store, at, at restaurants, whatever. Um, but if they have one bad experience with a boyfriend or one bad experience with a, with a, with a male supervisor or whatever it might be, right. That can that's kind the of thing that's going to, to, to it can confirm their fear, you know, it can confirm their bias. It can confirm what they really, really want to be true. Um, and I did a little, so it's confirmation bias, confirmation bias. Yeah. I did a little, um, internet research and I found a whisper article on androphobia. And if you guys don't know, whisper is a website that, um, is available for people to basically just kind of dish their guts and, um, tell their secrets without any fear of backlash. It's anonymous. Or, it's right? anonymous, totally anonymous. I don't know how they do it. It's anonymous. Um, but <laughs> Uh, I found this article on androphobia. And so here's a few examples from folks uh, who have submitted to Whisper who experience androphobia differently and how they experience it differently. So I'll kind of let them tell you what their experience has been like. So this first one. Um, I have androphobia. I'm afraid so much I can't be touched or alone with someone male. I'm so terrified of men just hearing one my, say my name makes me panic. I'm terrified of men, even when they just walk past me. I get really nervous. My mother's failed marriages have made me terrified of men. I was sexually abused from when I can remember up to 12 years of age. Sex education saved me. The incident made me meek and timid. I am still apprehensive and terrified of men. My schizophrenia has given me fake memories that have made me terrified of men, especially ones I know I can't take in a fight. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so, schizophrenia. So, so they didn't, they weren't actually experiences that she, she had, but it, it was, was just, a, he interesting. Oh, it was a, he, it was a, he, that was a, a male's experience of androphobia. He was, he was experiencing schizophrenic hallucinations associated with, um, having a fight with a man who was physically overpowered more him. imposing than him. You know, it's interesting. The, 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 we have had many friends and we've had many experiences and you've had experiences and we've known, you know, almost every woman that you, that we know in our lives 
has had some experience, right? That's, that's pretty, it's pretty universal to have an experience with, with a man who has been either abusive or, uh, sexually, you know, aggressive or, or, or sexually abusive or a rapist or, you know, any one of those number of things, it's, it's not hard to understand how that would frame your, your view, your perception, your perception of everything, of everything around you. It's, it's, yeah. You, know, you can't you get away from men. They're, they're, they're all over the place. Um, how do you treat, like you were talking about, about treating that because there is an element of, of irrationality to, to it on a, on an extreme level, right? It, it, it's happened. It's something that has happened to you. You've had an experience. How do you get past that experience to, to live, without that fear all the time. Um, and also, but, but at the same time, being cautious too, right? I and mean, being cautious and, and aware of your surroundings and understanding that there are, there are creeps out there and there are crazy people and there are people right. who are, who are predators, right? Because you're not wrong. And there's people who are predators who are, who are, who could be friends, who yeah. could be, you know, acquaintances, who right. could be relatives, whatever. Friends of know. friends. So know. how do you, how do you get past that? What's the, what's the, so we were talking about earlier, we were talking about the idea of a safe space um, that's used a lot in dialectical behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, which are both very, um, they're different and they borrow from each other. Um, well, DBT kind of borrows from CBT, but I won't get into the particulars and get all nerdy on that. Um, but basically what's driving at the heart of it is reframing how you think about things, um, which helps how you behave around things. Um, and one of the features of this is being able to, um, use your language to redefine your world. Now this is safe space within, within a therapeutic context. Right. So it's important to define that as different than what is being used in a pop right. culture, so or before, in a popular, in a popular college setting right, type safe right. space, which so is, before which any, confuses like, it very, very Before any lot. trauma work is done, before any like deep dives into psyche and history and all that kind of stuff, therapists first lay the foundation for a safe space, a spot that the client can retreat to, they practice retreating to. It's a space inside of themselves um, that they identify with words um, to help cement it into various parts of their brain as new pathways. Um, and they continually um, practice how to get into this safe space and to kind of calm themselves down when feeling anxious or fearful in a safe setting where they know I'm in, I'm in my therapist's room. There's no men here. I'm, I'm safe. You know, this is a good place to practice this. And it's also a good place to kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of those things that might be a little bit harder and practice the utilization of that safe space in real time when you need it. Um, the reason for that is safe space and the word safe space has been like abused and drug around lately because everything has to be a safe space, but not everything has to be a safe space is if you have a right. safe it's not, space. It's not supposed to be used for just something that offends me or or upsets me. No, the safe space really needs to be within you so that you, when you feel threatened, when you feel unsafe, when you feel anxious, so that you can go to that place and you can make rational decisions from that place. So that you can deal with somebody on the out, somebody who, right. who maybe triggers you in some way. Right. You're dealing with it internally. It's not something that somebody else that, that you, you know, that somebody else has to cater to. It's, it's something that you build inside of yourself. Right. And that's because that's, that's a long lasting tool. You know, we can't 
shape everyone um, around us. We have to first go within and shape ourselves and give ourselves a place to feel safe within us. Um, and then we can truly get at the heart of the fear and really treat it and work on reframing it and work on, you know, what areas of my life is this, is this affecting? Well, let's think about if I wanted a child, you know, that affects things. What if I have a male child? How is that going to affect my fear? Let me Or think. how you raise that child. Or how in, I raise in, that in, child. In, in, in. Or, you know, because there are ways to get pregnant without, you know, a direct man involvement. Sure. Um, but what if you're androphobic and you have that male baby? What, sure. what now? Um, so gaining those skills to be able to work through those experiences um, from a place of safety within yourself, knowing that logically this is a child, this is going to be my child, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, really laying that foundation so that your lizard anxiety, fearful brain doesn't take over and send you into panic mode. Um, so that's truly what goes on in the treatment behind a lot of these phobias. Makes sense. Um, that, spa that safe space is within. It's not external. It's within. And if it is external, that would be a priority that a therapist would treat first. They always treat safety first. Are you safe? Is a child or an elderly person that you know going through any sort of physical, emotional, verbal abuse or neglect? Okay. Okay. You guys are, if you're safe, now we can work on we this can next deal with level. It. We can, we can actually address it. Right. But you know, unless and, you feel safe in your environment. And, and I think there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of, of women, you know, probably listening who can relate to this, this phobia. Sure. Um, I guarantee there are a lot of, of men in the, in the homosexual community, um, the LGBTQ community that, that can relate to this phobia. Who may have been abused by men. Sure. Previously. Or, or yeah. Or, or been, been person, you know, uh, uh, you know, and they may not be at the phobic level, but in some way, um, sure. the presence of men does affect them. So, Absolutely. you know, it's on that, that spectrum. Um, you know, and, and I think, um, if you were speaking to them right now, if you gave them, you know, this is my, this is, would be my first step. What would you tell them? Um, other would, than just seek help, but what, what, what kind of things I mean, would you reach I would, out to? I mean, first I would ask if it's something that they really want help with, cause it's okay if they don't, you know, sure. like that's. It's not my imperative to force somebody to do or not do anything as a therapist. It's my imperative to be like the driving, like the GPS. Well, let's system. assume they want help. Let's assume that they're that they're that they're looking to to kind of get past this as as a general because it's a very it can be very it's a very general you know thing. Sure. That they've taken specific situations or specific phobias and they've they've created something that's that's now being that's affecting their life on a, on a much broader level. Mm -hmm. um, I would say find, find a therapist that can help assess you really well um, and see if they can refer you to some sort of a specialist, maybe depending upon the root of that fear. It might be them. It might be someone who specializes in trauma therapy uh, who really knows how to get you to that safe space, uh, depending upon where the fear comes from. Um, but please just go see someone and ask for, you know, a thorough biopsychosocial assessment. Um, see what comes up for you and you can always shop around for therapists and see who fits best. That's really amazing information. And I, I'm really, uh, thank you for, for researching, uh, 
you know, spending so much time researching this one this week because we kind of went back and forth on whether to do this one or not because it's kind it of just, a it hits home. For it a hits lot home of with a lot of people, which is why we did it. You know, we think it's you know it's, it's important, right? It's important to think about how and why and where our assumptions or um, beliefs about anything come from because then that drives our behavior. Drives so. everything, and and in culture, there's so much talk about uh, uh, this this you know, this me too. And there's, 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 there's all these various things that are going on in culture all the time that, that are influenced by our experiences with, with our, with, with the opposite gender or right. with, with, you know, somebody who is, is you know, taking advantage of their, of their, their power or mm-hmm. their, their position or whatever it might be. And, and this can drive these, these fears um, to a level that, that, that makes it very difficult to, to function, to you know, live to, to live basis. on a daily basis, which, you know, that's what phobias are. But, but this one in particular, I think is, is very common. And I think there's a lot of women who will, who will, uh, relate to you putting your keys between your fingers and looking in the backseat of your car and always being hyper aware all yeah. the time because of that, that fear and, and, and men get with it guys. Like, you know, let's, 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 you know, start to understand that that's something that goes on on a regular basis with our, with our female counterparts. You know, this is, this is something that, that they deal with on a daily basis that we don't totally understand, or most of us don't, some of us may, but, but most of us don't get it, you know, it, it, to that extent. For most sure. don't think about it at or, all. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, so if you're struggling with it, if it's something that's, that's, you know, uh, uh really difficult for you, um, seek some help. Get yeah. Seek, seek out some help, you know, know, definitely. You know, go go and get some help, and definitely, uh, probably not watch these movies, right? Because <laughs> uh, good grief. Or maybe I don't know. I mean, you know, there's, it might. The second one might be therapy. There's a power. Is it some empowerment there's some, too? Taking your power right? back. Taking and, your power back a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's a good transition into into our movies. And you know, it's really interesting. So I, I I've been reading Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which is kind of a a uh, it's like a it's kind of a standard read for, for people who are really into horror movies. Um, it's about Joe gender, gender in the, in the more modern horror film. And I've heard a lot of people talking about it on podcasts over the years and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, my friend Wayne let me borrow his copy, uh, recently and, and kind of started diving into it. And it's, it was a really interesting read this week to kind of, kind of look at, you know, and it's a lot of this stuff, a lot of the stuff within the book is things that have been kind of they're they're, they're coming out in horror, Horror is is way more uh, conscious of about gender issues, about race issues, about all of these things. Than we might think. Than than probably any other, definitely than any other genre. I think. I think horror is amazing when it comes to pointing these things out, and it has been for for a long time. I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff written about Night of the Living Dead and 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 Last House on the Left, and mm-hmm. you know how uh, and you know I spit on your grave and all of these movies that that had messages um that go way beyond the the, the gore. gore or the or the you know the the horror part of these things right? i think that's why we're here absolutely it's a message beyond the gore and horror yeah i mean i think it is and and, and that that excites me because it's i find it really exciting um to dig into the, the philosophical ideas the social ideas the political ideas all those things that kind of mesh within these movies well, honestly before i met you i never thought about horror as a genre that really had much depth Right. So you've really I don't know that I thought that until probably the last, you know, 10 years maybe. As you kind of dive deeper and you see and learn 
um, everything that goes behind these movies and you see the themes and um, what's emphasized uh, throughout, you know, this particular culture. Well, when we talked about, particularly with Fear of Men, we talked about uh, the fact that, you know, slasher movies, is that a good thing or a bad thing? The fact that we have these males predominantly that are almost always preying on females. Right. You know, and that's something that comes up in, in this book too a lot. Um, but that whole motif, right? These, the men have women issues, right? Norman Bates has mom issues. We Mommy have, issues. Uh, we have uh, Jason Voorhees has mom issues. We Mommy got, issues. We got uh, uh, Michael Myers, you know, going after his sister. We've got Driller Killer going after, you know, groups of, Sorority girls or whatever. And we couldn't really sorority house massacre. All these things, right? When we tried to narrow it down to a female slasher, we weren't aware of a female slasher like horror flick. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time looking into it, but I, I'm trying to just think off of the if, top if of your head. Of, if I had thought of anybody, but if anybody can think of one, please let us know. Um, yeah. that was something, and then we kind of trailed off into. Um, it's a male killers. dominated subgenre for right. sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, and there's something really interesting there. Um, you know, and there is, there's an element of some of these that have a sense of female empowerment, right? We have the final girl, we have some mm-hmm. of these things that, that pop up. Um, but as we went into digging into, to these kind of movies, um, you know, a couple of them stood out to me and ones that I had immediately thought of when I, when I was doing this. And, and, uh, when, when we came up with this, when we had this phobia as a topic, um, and so our honorable mention for today is the, oh, what year did it come out? I gotta, I gotta figure that out. It was 2007, I think 2007 or 2000. No, actually it was earlier than that. It was 2005. Um, but the 2005, it's, it's really just an episode, but, uh, if you've watched this series at all, you know, that, um, these episodes are mini movies. I mean, they're, they're little, you know, little movies unto themselves. But um, so we're going to talk about today, our honorable mention uh, masters of horror series, season two, episode seven, the screw fly solution. Somehow, someone has figured out a way to erase the distinction. This is a concerted attempt to exterminate the human race. Bioterror. We have to begin the immediate evacuation of the female population. Clear the aisle. Everyone, please, stay in your seats. I need everyone to remain calm.
Daddy. I missed you so much. It's your daughter! It's Amy! <laughs> what are you waiting for? So the Screwfly Solution, um, it, like I said, is one of, of of this anthology. And honestly, if you have if you're not familiar with Masters of Horror, you need to track it down because this Mick Garris put this whole thing together. Um, if you have a Roku or one of those types of streaming deals, you can get it on Tubi on the Tubi app. T U B I. Um, I found it not too long ago because I didn't see it when they first come, came out. Um, so I don't know, a couple years ago or uh, something I started watching this anthology and it's, it's brilliant. It aired on Showtime for two seasons from 2005 to 2007. Um, basically every episode was its own unique mini movie directed by some freaking kick-ass, amazing horror director. Um, Mick Garris back in like the early two thousands, got all these guys to go to dinner, uh, at a, at a restaurant in Sherman Oaks. It was like, uh, John Carpenter and Larry Cohen and, Don Coscarelli and Joe Dante and Guillermo del Toro. Mick Garris is so cool. Stuart Gordon, Toby Hooper, John Landis. But I mean, all these guys got together at one restaurant to have dinner together and just talk shop about horror. And that turned into Masters of Horror. This Masters of Horror series. Um, and so and 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 it expanded to Cronenberg and Eli Roth and Which Dario I Argento. Lo- I love and, this series. I think it's it really is great. I mean, every I've I've seen uh, it's so worth checking out. I think it's all on DVD too, or, or I mean, sorry, Blu-ray. It's um, sort of black mirror-y. Yeah. I mean, well, it just depends. I mean, it depends right. on the episode. Every episode's different. There's ones that are more creature feature. There's ones that are more psychological. True. There's ones that are more. I haven't seen most of season two. This yeah. is the only one of season two that I've seen. So it's really interesting the way they do it. Um, and so this, this episode in particular really stuck out at me because uh, it's literally like the whole episode is, is about men. men killing women, like men, men just turning on women. women. Um, and so it's called the Screwfly solution. And it was directed by Joe Dante, who did gremlins noise, uh, the howling and, uh, the burbs, Ooh. which I listened to that soundtrack today that, uh, That's a really metal good Chris soundtrack. gave me. It was awesome. When I was reading, uh, I was reading men, women and chainsaws. really visualize Tom Hanks on a barbecue pit. Yes. Well. Yeah. That was, that was one part where I was like, Hey, this is the barbecue pit. This is his, uh, his dream where he's being roasted on an open fire. Um, so, you know, Joe Dante is amazing. And he, so he directed this and it was based off a short story. I cannot remember the name of the person who wrote the short story. Do you have it written down? Mm-mm. Uh, but it's based on a short story from like the seventies, I believe the late seventies, I think it was written in like 77 or 78. Um, and it's basically the quick synopsis is there's a terrifying rash of, of homicides, uh, femicides, I guess, just cause it was just, just women being killed. Um, and involving normal male sexual urges transforming into violent rage. Um, and then the scientists have to figure out why and how, and then one of the scientists ends up getting this, this, it turns into basically it's a virus and one of the scientists ends up contracting it. Well, let's, let's go back a second. The scientists specifically, they were scientists, um, of etymology bugs, because they entomology. were entomology, yeah, etymology's etym- words. etymology, entomology words, entomology bugs. I always get those mixed up too. Um, but they were helping to eradicate the cane fly, um, which was a new screw fly, the cane fly. Oh, the cane fly. It. Um, but they did put the, I think that's what the screw fly 
the oh, cane okay. fly was based on was the screw fly. Gotcha. Because um, that was an actual thing um, that they talked about in the beginning was the sl- the screw fly. Um, and this fly, uh, it gets into the ears of farm animals and it basically just lowers their sex drive so they don't reproduce and so they end up dying. Um, and they, they stop mating and they, they become useless. Um, and so they had created this concoction. Um, I'm sorry. You know what? I just got that all wrong. I'm sorry. I spoke way ahead of myself. So the cane flies would get in the ears and kill the animals. They were like super deadly and they, they reproduced rapidly. So what the scientists did was created, um, uh, a serum that they could give to the flies that made them not sexual. And so they stopped reproducing and then the cane flies went away. Um, so that's important because that's kind of what the, we find out later. Um, it would be like if somebody was trying to eradicate mosquitoes and they were trying to right. figure out a way to make them not reproduce or not be able to whatever. Right. And they spread disease. And they talk, you know, throughout the beginning of the movie about um, how there's public executions for women violating Sharia law. Sharia. Sharia law. Excuse me. Can't read my own handwriting. Um, Like 150 of them that, um, uh, you know, the grandmother who was working on this like super secret project. Right. Right. There's a a family. There's a family. Jason Priestley is the is the is the. Boy, I think he's a boyfriend or dad. I guess he's the dad. He's the dad. dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and he has a daughter that's like a t- like a preteen or a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, fourteen maybe. Um, and he is one of these scientists. And then gra- the grandma is she grandma? And then and then Elliot Gould is. Is either grandma or like a like a very a, close a close co-worker. friend? Maybe they're all coworkers. I can't quite. I'm she not worked sure. in. Um, she worked for the CDC. You know, right. Center and for so Disease and then Control. so did and then so did. Uh, so did the two, the other two as well, didn't they? Or they worked, they were also working in, in fields, similar Adjacent. fields, scientists, scientific fields, studying these bugs. Right. Elliot Gould and, and Jason Priestley were working together. And then this, this other uh, grandmother, older woman was also working in with the CDC right. or something like that. So ultimately what happened was this thing started spreading like a virus. Right. And then at the same time, we see this weird uprising of this cult called the Sons of Adam. Um, right. There's a religious component that all yeah. of a sudden kind of takes over as well. So as these guys are, are, and it starts in Jacksonville, Florida in America. Yeah. And so all these guys are <laughs> start, surprise, surprise there. Um, you know, leave it to Florida, but these guys, so that, so all of a sudden they, we start seeing these, these women being killed, uh, in mass numbers yeah. across the globe for no so, reason at all, for no reason. And at the same time, there's a rise of, of kind of this, this kind of, uh, uh, religious cult that kind of references Genesis and men being dominant over women and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Adam and Eve and, and this kind of women uh, nurture men destroy. Yeah. Like, and, and so we start seeing that kind of coming up too. So then we realize this thing is they realize Jason Priestley and Elliot Gould realize this thing oh, is spreading shoot. super fucking it's fast. It's starting really at the equator where it's nice and warm and stuff spreads fast usually. And it's working its way up North um, and down south, and we start to see that it's that it's kind of based on men. Men get the like the sexual urge, but then the aggression. Then they also have an aggression yeah, takeover. Instead of having like a sexual urge and then having that prefrontal instead cortex, of getting horny, they get violent. Right, and having that prefrontal cortex come in and you know kind of regulate things. Instead, it goes immediately to like violence or 
um, extreme rage. Rage, yeah. So they end up killing killing all the women. Yeah. And and they're chasing. So Jason Priestley, the only solution to this, right, is they decide Jason Priestley and Elliot go meet with the CDC and they say, hey, we need to chemically castrate all every the men, every man. emergency responder. Okay, because if not. They're gonna all go out there and start killing everybody that we're trying to save, and yeah, they're gonna get they're, they're gonna, gonna get, get infected. They're gonna get infected. Um, um, so Elliot Gould takes this, becomes chemically castrated because he's an older guy, and Jason Priestley decides he doesn't need to, right? And then he gets on a plane, and shit goes. But it's bonkers. bad on the plane. It's bonkers before he gets on the plane because as he's getting his ticket, there this thing has spread so much that they're now having non-male flights. Right. Where you can get on a non-male flight yeah. going anywhere at the airport. Or you could get on a male flight, um, you know, a mixed Try flight, I think they called it. And on the mixed flight, one of the flight attendants was male. And he just snapped the neck of this like woman that was freaking the fuck out. And so that's like... That's a terrifying concept to me because I know so many men that I cherish mm -hmm. and that Did I they just love. suddenly turned on you. And what if every sexual thought that they ever had about anyone turned them into a rage monster? That would be yeah, like, it's nuts. And that's the theme of the so so the movie ends up being right. Jason Priestley ends up getting this, getting getting infected and telling his wife and daughter, "You need to run away. Go to Canada. Get the hell out of here." Yeah. Um, and they take off and he says, go to my cabin, you know, up in or whatever, or go somewhere, go to the safe space. They had this cabin up in Canada or something. And they, so the wife and daughter leave daughter's like, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And mom's like, we gotta get the hell out of here. And they get up to the cabin and Jason Priestley is waiting for them. He told that her specifically, if you see me, you need to kill me. You need to kill me because I will not be trying to see you. So he's trying to, and then in this cabin scenario, he's manipulating mom and, or, you know, Oh Just honey, I'm fine. I'm good. Yourself, buddy. Everything's like, good. I'm fine. Don't worry. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, we found it. We found a cure, you know, yeah, and then, and then daughter out. runs to him and he, and he, and he hugs daughter, but then he reaches down and grabs her ass and mom knows, uh Oh Oh no, that's not good. Dads that's don't grab their daughter's ass. Yeah. This is bad. Um, and so then she shoots him in the knees, grabs a daughter, they leave, get the hell out of Dodge and daughter finds a way to, to go back to dad's cabin. And then we see mom come back. Daughter is implied that she's dead. Yes. And then she finishes off her husband and then she has to exist in this world where women are literally being executed and are now endangered basically. Yeah. And she has to hide her face as a man. Man, and, She has to basically and, pretend oh, she's a man. Oh, and she goes into this convenience store to get medicine for the old guy, the grandpa who was castrated because he was sick. Right? right. And he had a cold. Elliot Gould. Elliot yeah. Gould. I don't know if it's great. I think he was just a close friend. Whatever. Of the family. Um, And so she goes dressed as a man and kind of all bundled up. So you can't really see her face. And there's a fucking titty pouch. Yeah. Like there's a pouch made out of a nipple. Made there's out a of, nipple made pouch. Out of a, out of a there's a nipple pouch. I stopped them. I stopped this Show. So they've been they've been killing women up there apparently up in the sticks and they've been also sport. taking their body and 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 turning them into this like, like this is some Ed Gein this is some Ed Gein yeah, shit this here. This is like a hunting thing for them like they were hunters. Yeah, they're making like lampshades and purses. Yeah, so and, you he's know, who got knows? this this nipple belt. Ed Gein made a nipple belt. Yeah. Um, and I came up with uh, ten, um, ten, ten, ten plays on words regarding this titty pouch. <laughs> oh man, that's are awesome. you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? Okay, so. He had a titty pouch. That was my first one. 
uh, a nip sack. Ooh, a nip sack. A knocker pocket. Knocker pocket. A booby satchel. A chest receptacle or a chestceptacle. <laughs> a sweater melon tote. A hooter handbag. Naughty pillow knapsack. A literal fun bag. <laughs> <laughs> or an areola attache. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all week. Woo! I am very, very, very I proud think of your Knocker list. Pocket was my favorite. Knocker Pocket is a good one. That is really. <laughs> but good. it was a Knocker Pocket. It was. It like it had the nipple on the bottom. Yep, it was just a little. He had like strong strings through it. Like sack. I'm gonna just carry around, you know, my little in my nipple sack, my nip sack, nipple nap, nipple knapsack, my nip sack, nip sack. <laughs> But I found I found myself very. Proud. What about a titty tote bag? Titty tote. Mm. Was that on your list? No, I had a sweater melon tote. Titty tote or or a booby backpack. Ooh, I didn't think of that. That wasn't a backpack though. It was more of a. No, yeah. it was definitely a sack. Yeah. Of some kind. But I'm, anyways, I'm best proud of part of the whole movie, uh, I paused it and then <laughs> went onto my phone and there's synonyms for breast and synonyms for bag. Oh, and I just man. went after it and just laughed. If you can think of any better off. ones. Yeah. Post them up on social media with we will hashtag post, what? We will post a picture of ha- the titty ha- bag. Hashtag nipsack. And then we will post all of mine and then you you can have fun with it too. And you can tell us your favorite rendition. So it ended, this movie ended, re- or this, yeah, this movie ended really oddly with so some weird. like alien spiritual creatures, angels, maybe aliens, not they sure call which. them angels, angels, the hunters called them angels, angels yeah. and they're very enchanted by them. Yeah. Um, and like the little boy comes back into the hunter shop and he's like, I saw the angels. Yeah. Oh, blah, 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 blah. But really, I think they're aliens. Something. Yeah. I couldn't very, quite figure it out. It was, it was an odd ending. Um, they're but very it gives you feminine. kind of that like, yeah, very feminine, and, very feminine. And, and they, they have, were sucking the brains out they have of them. Laser hands. And they just like laser hand, use their laser hands to like laser across these guys and like make them pass out. And then they screwed this like nub into their forehead that extracted all their frontal lobe juices is, is my theory. Yeah. We might want to tag the director and see if my theory is correct. That something like that, yeah, that the aliens sure. were trying to get at the, the increased they levels used, of they testosterone were using religion. Or they were something. using this o- overt masculinity, the sexuality to get what they, what they needed or wanted, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting. And so yeah, this, it's a great episode. This race was basically on earth um, and figured out a way to exterminate humans. Um, yeah. using each other. Yeah. It yeah. like was fucking mind blowing. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it was literally men versus women. Like there's no doubt about Although it. Although if you look, if you look really closely and I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching it, the uh, alien angels are feeding the goodest of boy doggies while they're like sucking frontal lobe juices. out. They are. Yep. They're, they're feeding, feeding the puppy, the goodest of boys. Oh yeah. Which to me implies, uh, Adam and Eve, the garden animals, taking care of the animals, tranquility, Interesting. you know, so. there was definitely a lot of, a lot of those kind of religious overtones and like, and then, and then also like bio, like kind of bio terrorism and, and Islamophobia. There was oh all kinds gosh. of stuff that were there mixed was, into yeah. that, that. And then there was really this, this whole underlying fear of men in general, yeah. men in general, um, yeah, really, which, which really comes out of that nineties kind of experience, right? Like you, you sent me a really interesting, um, uh, quote about the, the movie or uh, somebody had written about the movie. Um, let me see if I can find it. Cause I want to read it. I thought it was really interesting. Is your phone on airplane mode? No, it just made the, it just made the microphone fuzzy. Cause when I turn my phone on, it does that. But let me see here. You said, 
I wish you had written it down. I wish I had written it down when you had sent it to me. Oh, here it is. Um, the premise of this movie is a product of its time, written in an era where feminist authors were exploring separatism from society at large and often working from an assumption that men were fundamentally violent and women fundamentally peaceful. Uh, but when I read it some 25 years later, those assumptions still permeated everything I was being told about gender. I'm not sure what my male counterparts heard during youth groups and talks with adults, but the standard message to girls was clear. You interact with men at your own peril because they just can't control themselves. Mm -hmm. The screwfly solution turns these glib justifications into a horror story. What if women's sexuality genuinely made men uncontrollable? Yeah. The result is horrifying for just about everyone. It's implied that killings proceed from a kind of hijacked version of normal human biology. Mm Mm-hmm. And Screwfly minds the terror of being compelled by instinct to do something unconscionable for all it's worth. Yeah. Which I thought that was great. What a great like little summation to make you think summary. About, about this this movie. Yeah. Well, it was at technically a summary of the um oh, the book the book itself. The book, which makes but sense. But the book was very closely right, you know, with right this. influenced. So it it tied in perfectly. I loved it. Like I was riveted. So it may have been the drugs from my foot. But <laughs> I was very into it. Well, we have we 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 uh we we talked about that one for a bit here. Um which I thought was a really good really good tie-in to this this phobia. This next one. Um, and also guys, I really want to promote Masters of Horror because I think it's badass. It's brilliant. And, and honestly, we we need to to try to get Mick Garris to get all those guys together to do an updated series for yes. for like Shudder or something. It would be phenomenal. Yes. Um next on Shudder. God, I would love that. Um but we want to dive a little more into um, traditional kind of uh, horror, uh, the kind of feminine fear of men, feminine, the kind of fear of men uh, 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 genres that have been traditionally kind of associated with with horror. Right. Um, so we are going to dive into our feature presentation. And now our feature presentation.
So our feature presentation is the 2017 movie, amazing flick, um, Revenge. Yeah, which also, oddly enough, has uh, an undertone of anger related to sexual stuff as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, So Revenge is a 2017. It's a a French film, uh, rape and revenge action horror film, written and directed by Coralie Fargeet. I believe is how you pronounce her it's name. It's French. Coralie Fargeet. Uh, and starring Matilda Lutz, who's phenomenal in this movie. Uh, Kevin Jansen's Vincent Colombe and Guillerme Bouchide. I love to watch you try. Uh, I think it was close. Bouchide. Bouchade. Bouchade. I bet it's Bouchade. The plot follows a young woman who is assaulted and left for dead in the desert by three men where she recovers and seeks vengeance upon her attackers. So it's a rape revenge film. And, and that rape revenge uh, genre is, is something that's been talked about a lot of uh, from a gender perspective, from a horror perspective, what, you know, are they exploitative? Um, right. You know, I spit on your grave spends, a, uh, which is probably the most famous of the classic kind of rape revenge movies spends a lot of time kind of focusing on the rape. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's gnarly. It's, it's not something that, you know, if you, if you're taking sexual satisfaction in it, you need to go to the, you need to go seek some help. Um, I think on last podcast on the left, they go, if, if this gives you a boner, then you need to go, then you need to go get some help. Seek help immediately. <laughs> um, so that's the, that's the, you know, I spent on your grave though. A little more exploitative has a lot more, but, but similar concepts, right? Like the concept of, of, uh, this traumatic, horrible experience, this rape experience. Um, and then, and then the, the female character then seeking revenge. Right. Right. And how we kind of wove this in with the fear of men is that it's often these types of traumatic experiences that can pave the way for such a phobia to occur, you know, or to develop over time, this really intense trauma. I mean, so basically in this movie, she, she's having an affair or he's having an affair with this cute little blonde girl and this This socialite, right? He's obviously very wealthy. He's very wealthy. Flying into this, to this retreat and, or this little place out in the middle of the desert. A couple of his buddies come out too. And one is kind of like, uh, like you automatically get that creepy feeling from him. And the other one is kind of just the laid back, like, Kind of in the shadow one. Kind of dopey, really, but maybe he's nice. Dopey, you can't quite bit, tell. Like, you can't really tell. Yeah. And, you know, they get a little lit one night and um, the aggressive one misreads her spunky little attitude as, you know, an invitation or as um, a come on. And then while her boyfriend is away the next day. He, the next morning, right? Yeah. They wake up and they're all hung over and, you know, the, 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 the dopey guys passed out in the pool. And, yeah. And, and this guy is left alone with her and her white knight, you know, the guy who wants to leave his wife and his family for her. Um, right. The, the, the wealthy guy, her so wealthy different. boyfriend is gone. He's yeah. gone. He's gone to go get some hunting permits Something for her, like him and that. his buddies to go hunting. And yeah, this, you know, this come on turns into more of a, no, you acted like you like me. So, you're going to give this to me. That's Stan. So Stan and Dimitri are the two guys. I'm going to call him the aggressor. Yeah, and the, aggressor. the aggressor. Stan is the aggressor. And Richard the is dude. Richard is the boyfriend. So uh, no, he's the white knight. He's the white knight. White okay. knight, passive dude, and the Dick. aggressor. His name's Dick. Dick, white knight. 
And then we have Dimitri, who's the the dopey dude. Right. And so that happens. And then, of course, uh, White Knight comes back and finds she's out. Been, well, she's been raped. Yeah, she's, she's been raped, been raped. By, by Stan. Uh, um, oh, oh, the creepiest part was that, like, the passive dude walks in and he's, like, eating some sort of a candy out of a bag. Some and marshmallow. Just like, some marshmallow chocolate. Just kind chocolate. of, like, stares. And then we get an up-close, like, of him just masticating and this like chocolate bar. Good I word. don't know. And masticating <laughs> his chocolate you. bar. And it, um, right before she, right before, while she's getting ready to be raped. Yeah. Almost and, like and, and the guy decided. says, Hey, either join in or get the hell out. Yeah. Right. And he just stands there awkwardly for a little while longer. Not really like maybe I'll just stand here and jerk it. I don't know. And then he kind of slowly walks out and then he goes and turns up the TV and just kind of goes about his business um, while all of these sounds are coming out of the room, and and he turns he turns the up the yeah turns the TV way, way up, and then he goes basically out to the pool. just passively ignores yep, it, ignores it, which, just whatever, which is just as wrong. Oh, big time! You know, like that he knows this is going on, and he is just kind of ignoring it. Um, then the white knight comes home. Um, gets mad at the aggressor, uh, goes in there and initially, the rapist. I don't like the aggressor. The aggressor is the not rapist. a good, that's he's not a good, that's uh, not a good name for him. Cause he's more than just the aggressor. He's, he's, the, rapist. he's the rapist. He's the rapist. So he's not the therapist for 500. And he goes, he, he goes the in and he tries initially to That was console. my Jeopardy joke. He didn't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Say it he's again. He's not the therapist for 500. He's, he's the rapist. The rapist for 500. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> I'll take the rapist. The, ra- the rapist oh, for 500. I love your Sean please. Connery. Ooh. <laughs> Um, so then the white knight, we're laughing about the rape scene. That's not I, good. No, we're not laughing about the rape scene. We're, rap, we're laughing about the fact that therapist also was the rapist on SNL. It's True. totally different. True story. Um, so white knight goes in, tries to console her initially. She really wants to leave. She's obviously having a traumatic reaction. She's been through something very horrible. Um, and she threatens basically to tell his family and his wife about, about the, the affair. affair. And he goes from white knight to fight or flight instantly. Backhands her. Backhands her. Opens up her lip. Um, You know, that his butt chin. Fun times were over. His butt chin got so butt hurt by that. (laughs) His butt chin. There was a lot of butt chins in this. So many butt chins. Everybody had butt noses. Like, weird. So, yeah. Then she she runs away um, like you do. And yeah, he had offered her money. He had offered her kind of like, yeah. oh, don't worry, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll make this we'll make this go away. Don't worry. And she was I got like, you a fuck job. no, this isn't you know this. I'm not cool. This is not cool. This is you know this is super fucked up. You're not going to make this go away with your money or your, your whatever, brides, whatever. And then she takes off because she, she realizes runs. she realizes she's not in a safe place anymore. No, she takes off running they came through in the by desert helicopter because they're in the middle of the freaking desert. Right. They're so she just nowhere. starts running. God, talking about the, the ultimate fear. I mean, if you have this fear and you're just surrounded by these and predatory men and you're trapped and you've already been violated by one of them. And another one has just explicitly made you feel unsafe. Yeah. Again, just smacked you across the room, you know, and then the other one already made you feel, you know, you don't feel safe around him because he just walked out on it all. So ain't nobody going to help you. Yeah. So she takes off. She's heading down. She's heading out of the desert or heading through the desert, you know, running and they take off after her. gets right? to a cliff, gets to a cliff and, and they surround her. Yeah. And, and, and Dick, the white knight, uh, uh, pushes her off a well, cliff. He gives her a speech for, he, well, yeah. he's kind of consoling her like, Hey, Hey, you know, hold up, just wait, I'll call, I'll get the helicopter here. 30 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And, and she's then like, just, no. And then just 
pushes her off the side of the cliff. Yeah. And she lands and skewers herself on a tree uh, below. She gets impaled on a tree and then they just Which leave is, her. I got to say, by the way, like as a film, this thing is, it's a beautiful film. It's, it's gory. Very, it's gory. It has a lot of very gory parts, but man, it is really, really well it's done. It's very well shot. It's beautiful. It has some, I mean, even, even the gory parts are There beautiful. was a lot of emphasis on the apple that she bit into. Which obviously is right, an Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve metaphor again. But then we saw in the last one too that male, female, like this colony of ants that kind of showed up everywhere. Like they were gnawing on her body when she got skewered. Right, they were in the house on the apple. On the apple, I still haven't figured out what the ants are about, but. You know, so she's skewered on this thing and there's an immense amount of blood and I've already like had discussions with Drew about how you have to suspend reality a little bit with this movie. Oh, we had to just, yeah, I told you that. I told you that before we started because I said there's no way she would have gotten off that tree and no, done all the things she did. No, there was definitely more. There's definitely some suspension of reality. Than sure. five liters of blood in this scene. So. Yeah, the bodies bleed. Uh, bleed. It's, yeah. it's, it's Evil Dead style. But then she like, she sees, um her lighter that had fallen out of her pocket and she like uses her headphones to like lasso it. And then she brings it over and then she, she reaches behind her and she feels like some, some brush and she puts the brush at the base of the tree so that the tree will break and she'll fall off of it after it's been lit on fire. Right. So she falls like off tree. She works her way, uh, uh, to, she ends up finding the, 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 the Dimitri, the kind of, dopey dude mm-hmm. right after she gets off she's still bleeding she gets in the water and chris is worried about sepsis again which is sepsis seriously she she's went just under so that scared of, of this bacteria. woman has an active like a huge wound that went all the way through her wound all the way through her and she's jumping in this river in god knows where i don't think that's what we're supposed to emphasize i think we're supposed to emphasize her badassness she getting getting up badass. and just fucking going for it right she's just she fucking going tore after it she is she is surviving right now and she runs across they follow her like trail of blood yeah they run the she river. runs across the so they're out they're like oh shit where did she go she's she, not on the tree we gotta yeah. go find her she runs across the dopey one and the dopey one oh she almost gets a shot off on him and like, the gun the gun doesn't have any bullets in it he's no. like he's like i'm not that fucking stupid and then he yeah. starts to drown her in the water well no first he gives this elongated speech about how i'm not as dopey as you thought you thought i was stupid but really uh, you know, I'm just the kind of hunter that waits for the prey to come to it. Blah, blah, freaking blah. <laughs> and then they go and she's, and she's, he grabs her. He starts putting her under the water. Oh, I'm so fucking glad blah, she blah. stabs him in the eye. And right then she here. reaches, she's got this, she's got a knife and she just, she grabs fucking his knife. Stabs him in the eye. Grabs his knife and stabs him right in the eye. Yeah. Like not Puts like, under. not like a knife. This is a knife. It's a knife. This, this is, is a noise. This is definitely this uh, thing goes all the way through. This is a crocodile Dundee knife. Yeah. That sure. thing severs, you know, his, his it's in his brain stuff in his brain that are for basic functionings like yeah yeah he's gone so no, one bye-bye. down two to go and he like floats in the river away one down two to go but now she realizes i'm pretty fucked up i need to deal with my my but my gaping wound hold on in the meantime um now the the rapist is like oh let's find her and say it was an accident you know let's you know maybe we could find her and just say it's an accident like i'm going to go back on it and the white knight is totally satisfied um that he's gonna fix this problem he's gonna figure it out right he's gonna find her he's gonna figure it out uh but she is she's right now she's in survival mode so she just goes she finds a cave or something and she she She's impaled, she, lost in the desert with she, just this bag from the guy that she killed that has a Mexican beer in it. And she starts a fire and and then she has 
Oh, I forgot to, this weird little she, she figured out a way. She figured she out has, a way to to create a way to to, but uh, she to has cauterize pe- her wound. But she has peyote in her little locket because right. he gave it to her. Oh, that's earlier. right, peyote earlier, right? So she takes the peyote. Yeah, and then fucking trips balls. And while she's stripping balls, she's cauterizing the wound with this like piece of tin. Um, and brands this badass brands, eagle across her which wound. Also, wouldn't happen because the eagle wasn't raised. You don't on, know that it wasn't raised. It wasn't raised. Could have been. I There's things embossed on the side of beer cans sometimes. Who knows? Ah, uh, no. It was just little things. You right? don't know. Little you things, don't know. people. Suspend reality. Um, don't worry about those little details. She's badass. She just badass cauterized her wounds with this, yeah. and now has a kick-ass yeah. eagle brand. And she has. And this, she's ready to go kick some ass. This peyote party, and now she is ready for rent. She's ready to go. She's gonna go go kick some ass. So, you know, ultimately, let's 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 wrap this up a little bit here and, and just kind of give a conclusion because you, if you if you watch it, you, you're gonna see this this whole badass scene take place. But she ends up this trans. She ends up tracking down you know the the rapist and you know they have this long battle back and forth in this scene, and then and then she goes and finds White Knight guy in yep. his house. And they have this badass back and forth scene. Way too much blood. And ultimately ends up killing them both. And then we hear the helicopter at the end show up to show that she's, you know, might be okay and get taken back and be be. But not rescued. only did she survive, she got revenge. She got her revenge, she's right? So that's better. the rape, that's the rape revenge scenario, right? So I, I wanted us to hurry up through that real quick so we could get to kind of what you felt about this movie. Like, what do you feel? Like, I don't, I don't think you've seen a lot of these rape revenge type movies. I've seen a bunch of them. How did you feel about this movie? Like you get that, you, did you get that? Like, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Feeling. Well, I just, there were so many times in the movie when she was alone and vulnerable. And I kept thinking alone and vulnerable, alone and vulnerable. You know, she's uh, on a fucking tree limb alone and vulnerable in the middle of the desert and God knows where Um, she's in the house alone and vulnerable. And she took alone and vulnerable and dealt with it. And then like faced these guys straight down. Um, I think that a is really difficult to do after so much physical and mental trauma. Um, So again, suspend belief. Um, Sure. Sure. But it's, but it's part of, it's part of the, the, but the, the, the concept is, is too is is that she's she took, she's her took power the power back, back, right? Right. They she was you know this ditzy blonde whatever that was very over sexualized, um, and she she liked that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but then she got taken advantage of, and instead of becoming a victim, she became a warrior um, and took her power back from this very awful, powerless feeling experience. It sucks all your power out of you when you get violated like that. Um, and she took her power back in the best way she knew how in this movie, which was kicking some fucking ass. Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, what, what like movies I, I've seen this, you know, you've seen this trend, um, in horror movies where, where, you know, these women are, are, they're being stalked or they're being raped or they've been raped or whatever. And then they take the power back um, to a certain extent, but there's still always this, this kind of, uh, in some of the slasher movies, they they still feel kind of weak even right. at the end, right? She they always trip and fall, right? Which she <laughs> did slip and fall in the blood, but she ultimately like 
she was she was the one stalking her prey. Right. By the she, end. And, and that's I spit on your grave too. Like there's 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 these the you know, hunted and irreversible. The there's another that's another movie with Monica Bellucci that's uh that's a Gaspar Noir no uh Noé movie that um is another you know kind of rape revenge that has like a 10 minute long rape scene that is just brutal, which I'm really glad that this movie did not it didn't focus on focus that. It on focused, the rape itself. It focused on the response to the rape. Right. It it really didn't it didn't it, it in no way glorified or 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 sensationalized or um you know any of those things. But it took some very real things into account, like people that ignore rape happen. Absolutely. People are ju- that are just as responsible. People that knew a rape happened and try to cover it up. You know, those people are just as responsible For sure. as the person Absolutely. who did the rape. Absolutely. And and that tendency that that you know, the, 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 her boyfriend guy, the, the tendency to be like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's no big. It's, he it's not, felt so, justified. Oh, just get over it. Whatever. We'll figure it out. He we'll, felt we'll justified because he was, she rich was just an object to her. And anyway. She was an object and he was very wealthy and he had a family and they were planning some, I, I think it was a wedding. Yeah. They he, were planning. he didn't care. And he didn't want to mess that up. No, he wasn't going to let it get so in the way. So her life wasn't worth messing that up. And that's that narcissistic psychopathy that we see in that guy who just killed his wife and daughters so yeah. brutally. Watts. Yeah. Yeah. The one up in, in Colorado. Watts. That's, that's an interesting point. Yeah, absolutely. That is kind of the, that mentality, right? Like mm-hmm. the. You know, if I can't have you, nobody can have you or I'm not going to let you take my kids, even though I'm cheating on you, you know, right. that kind of, you know, and you or see I that want what I want. And yeah. if that's, that's what I have to do, then sorry. So he did wrap his, his body in saran wrap, which was, you know, also suspending disbelief as though they're not all bleeding the internally bring that up for is because, hours because, uh, because, because I said, <laughs> well, that helps, that helps keeps your insides in and, and fresh. fresh. <laughs> which we both cracked up when we were watching the, uh, we were watching the movie. For Let's keep your insides in and, and fresh. fresh. Um, so that is revenge. It got a lot of critical acclaim. It was a really well-received movie. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard watch. All those movies are kind of hard watches. Hard watch, and I know for you, that's, those are always tough, but it wasn't like martyrs. It has a little bit more, it has a little more tact. It's a little bit, well, I don't know about tact, but it had, it, it, it's a little bit, um, I think because it does suspend disbelief a little right. bit, um, you, it can, you can absorb it a little bit easier. Right. You know, it's not quite so straightforward and, and just, just, just brutal. Just it like, has a little okay, bit of, I get has a little bit of accident, action adventure. Almost I get what you're going it. at here. Yeah. It's, it's almost less horror and more action adventure. Yeah, almost. But yeah. But I mean, it has, but it's, it's, it's very gory. Um, so do you want to go get that buzzer real quick? Yeah. And I'll talk about our next episode. Do it. So she has food in the oven and it just started beeping. She has chicken. She has chicken and potatoes in the oven. Um, cause we're going to eat some, some delicious dinner as soon as we're done with this podcast. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a tough one to research because there's so many ways you can go with it. But I think in horror, you know, I, I really, if you're interested in, in these concepts of gender and, and horror movies, there is so much good stuff out there. There's great articles, um, on all of the bloody disgusting and, um, you know, on dread central and, uh, there's great, um, there's some great documentaries. Um, wow. Your boot really, really is really loud. I know. I'm sorry. Your pirate peg leg boot. (laughs) 
That's my peg leg. Thank uh, you. But there's a lot of great st- way, uh, ways to kind of interact with this 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 topic and the gender, the genders in horror movie kind of kind of stuff. And there's so many different nuances to it. Um, check out Men, Women, and Chainsaws um, by by uh, Carol uh, Carol Clover. Um, excellent book that really dives deep into this stuff. And there's been other books written about the topic as well. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, this one was Androphobia. Um, but next episode, Ooh. Uh, in honor of St. Patty's Day, Ooh. since we talked about that being a, a holiday that I like to enjoy, um, and, and in honor of St. Patty's Day and all those British-hating uh, Irish out there, <laughs> um, we're going to do Anglophobia, Anglophobia, which is the fear of England. Fear of England. I think that'll be kind of fun. It's going to be our St. Patty's Day special, the fear of England. It's going to be really interesting um, to see. And we may, we maybe, maybe we'll even get it done early and release it on St. Patty's Day. Oh, that's a good idea. That'd be kind of fun. Maybe yeah. we'll try to figure figure out how to do that. Yeah, because you. If you, not, it'll be two days after St. Patty's Day, and people will be like, "I'm already hungover." It won't be. It won't be nearly as 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 topical. But uh, that's what we're going to do next time. Anglophobia. If you have anything that you think uh, movies or whatever that you want to contribute to, uh, that you think we yeah, should we should cover, know. or anything specifically, uh, you know, historical phobia related, any of that stuff, uh, let us know. Um, but until next time, stay afraid, stay very afraid.